Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. In this epic story of American politics, race, and triumph against all odds, Director Joe Winston chronicles the captivating rise, surprising reign, and the enduring legacy of Chicago's first African-American mayor, Harold Washington. Steeped in archival footage, capturing the 1980s Chicago rife with corruption and discrimination, Punch Nine for Harold Washington features candid interviews with Reverend Jesse Jackson, David Axelrod, Valerie Jarrett, and others on the front lines and in the back rooms of power as it follows this charismatic politician's shrewd maneuverings, stinging betrayals, and unlikely victories. It's all of that and more. The film, again, is called Punch Nine for Harold Washington, and we're joined today by the director, Joe Winston. Joe, thank you so much for for coming on. Appreciate it. Yes, thanks for having me. For those of us out there in the listening audience who may have either some vague um, recollection of Harold Washington or know nothing about him. Give us some kind of context for where he came from and what made him such a compelling political figure. I know that's a big question, but where did Harold Washington come from? Harold Washington was elected in 1983 as the first African-American mayor of the city of Chicago, then the second largest city of the country. And his story is, you know, first of all, one of the last of the great civil rights victories, I think. The series Eyes on the Prize ends with it, and for good reason. Harold Washington took charge of a major American city in which Blacks were the single largest ethnic group, but not a majority. So he had to knit together a coalition of Blacks, Hispanics, and white liberals in order to become elected. But beyond that, Harold Washington's story is just a hell of a story. I mean, he's an amazing character. He's funny. He's brilliant. He's smart. He was great in front of a crowd. He had this sort of unique political charisma that is clear the moment you see a clip of him in archive footage. And he was very inspirational to millions of people. So I want to echo that because um, you you see him in the film and he has this kind of bearing. There's a sort of avuncular kind of inviting. You want to hug him. I mean, he's that kind of a personality. That's sort of the, the way he comes across. And he had a beautiful speaking voice very well read. Uh, He was not afraid to use a turn of the phrase that might not seem typically political. So all of those things made for this really incredible package. But he enters into this race for the mayor of Chicago. Where was he prior to that? When Harold Washington ran for mayor of Chicago in 1983, he'd been in politics for decades. He'd sort of worked his way up from a lowly precinct captain in the Democratic Party machine under Richard J. Daley as early as the 1950s, you know, straight from the bottom. These were guys who would go door to door and make sure that their neighbors all had their garbage cans and then ask them to vote for the machine Democratic Party candidates. So Harold started at the bottom as a student activist and a precinct captain, worked his way up through the Illinois legislature, where he served for decades. And by the time he ran for mayor in the 80s, he was serving as a U.S. congressman from Illinois. You mentioned Richard J. Daley. And for anyone old enough to remember Chicago in the late 1960s, we'll remember the Democratic Convention of 1968. And for a lot of people who didn't know who he was, they certainly knew of him from that 
what kind of a mayor, how would you describe the, the reign of Richard J. Daley in Chicago? Yeah, to understand Harold Washington, why he was necessary, you have to understand the political reign of Mayor Richard J. Daley, who ruled Chicago for almost 21 years throughout the 50s, 60s, and 70s. I mean, there were lots of people in Chicago for whom Daley was the only mayor they'd ever known. And there were kids who thought his name was Mayor Daley. And he perfected this kind of political machine that was common in a lot of big cities, often ruled by the Irish, which ran on a patronage system that traded votes for favors to, to remain in power. And by the late 1970s, when Mayor Daley died in office, this kind of arrangement was simply no longer tenable in American cities. There just wasn't enough money to keep the corruption going. Harold Washington was intimately familiar with how this worked. And of course, we should mention that Daley's political machine was highly racially discriminatory, especially towards African-Americans, just brutally unfair and squeezed people out of the system. And African-Americans were, were not at the table in terms of getting the favors and the political gains uh, of being part of a machine. So Harold Washington knew all of this. He resented it. And he ran for mayor to abolish this system of corruption and prejudice. Anecdotally, I, I saw a documentary about Martin Luther King, and it was a lot of the film had to do with his attempt to organizing around the housing issue in Chicago. And there's a quote from Dr. King that came out of that time that he said of all the places that he had been and all the places that he had organized and all of the violence and hysteria that his presence caused in, in certain parts of the South and other places, the only time he ever thought he was going to die was in Chicago while he organized this housing effort. To give you, I'm just trying to give for our audience a frame of reference for the animus that was going on during this period of time around race and racial issues. When King came to Chicago in 66, you know, his crusade to try to bring his civil rights campaign to the North, it crashed on the shoals of the sort of power manipulation of the administration of Richard J. Daley, who was too wily and smart to allow King any victories. While at the same time, the populace in Chicago, indeed, racial tensions were very high in the city, and especially in the neighborhoods where King marched, which is why he did it. And yeah, it's ferocious. Our film displays a little bit of that as context. And uh, it was terrifying. The film is called Punch Nine for Harold Washington. What inspired you to want to make this documentary film? Well, I grew up in Chicago and still live here. And I was a student in high school in 1983 when Harold Washington was first elected as our city's first African-American mayor. And he lived just a few blocks from where I went to school. We would see him around the neighborhood and he was a hero to virtually all of us. And uh, the campaign for mayor was openly racial. It was fiercely fought and very hostile and very ugly. And even as a 15-year-old, I understood what that meant. So it was remarkable, almost puzzling to me decades later that no one had managed to put together a film about Harold uh, and his remarkable story of what happened to him and what happens when he becomes mayor of Chicago. So I figured somebody has to do this while enough people are still living to talk about it. In the past, you have directed What's the Matter with Kansas, a book written by Thomas Frank and turned into a film. You turned it into a film and you edited a wonderful documentary film. I just want to kind of 
highlight Flannery. I thought I really enjoyed that documentary film. It was terrific. And you also produced Citizen Cope. And this film has all of the elements you would want in terms of kind of giving you the the landscape, giving you the lay of the land in Chicago and identifying the players. And one of the sections of the film that is critically important to understanding Harold Washington and his time as mayor is the time of the wars with the city council. And I don't want to get into too much detail because I want people to see this, but how he maneuvers around the two eddies and how he makes this work for himself is a is literally a textbook example of how you become a, a successful politico in a very divided situation. That would be a fair statement to make. I always felt when Barack Obama was elected as our nation's first African-American president, the kind of resistance that he faced in government had already been dealt, faced by Harold Washington when he was elected mayor of Chicago. He faced exactly the same kind of intransigent resistance. And because it was Chicago in the 80s, it was even more bare knuckled and out in the open in terms of its racial elements. So to me, Harold's story plays out like a Twilight Zone episode over and over and over again that until we resolve these underlying issues of race and power in this country and kind of our original sin, I don't think they'll ever go away. Yeah, it's that visceral reaction that you get in just one other episode in the, in, that's told in the film, and that is in Chicago, it's a given that whoever the nominee of the Democratic Party is going to be mayor. And I, I don't know how far back it goes, but I'm sure it goes back decades and decades. And when Harold Washington won the nomination as a Democrat to, to run for mayor, all of a sudden, a little known candidate who had no chance of winning against any other candidate was suddenly exalted to be the challenger, which is, it's just mind boggling how bare knuckled and naked that political, racially tinged political environment was. It's hard to imagine. Any. Yeah, the 1983 mayor's race in Chicago is truly the stuff of legend and why it makes for such a great story, right? I mean, Harold Washington runs in a contested three-way Democratic primary against two much better known white candidates who have lots more money than he does. And he squeaks a surprise victory and half the city is shocked. Who is this guy? Harold who? And that shock causes the entire white Democratic Party machine to, to suddenly decide that that day, now they're Republicans. And they find this obscure candidate named Bernard Epton and all the white Democrats back Epton against Harold Washington because they don't want to vote for the black guy. And yeah, previously obscure candidate suddenly has these huge rallies and crowds cheering him. And his slogan was Epton before it's too late. Yes. Commercials. Yes. And I, I remember that and I wrote about it for my high school newspaper. And Harold squeaks out a very narrow victory over this, you know, puny candidate who he should have beaten 85 to 15. And once Harold is elected as mayor, suddenly the formerly docile Chicago City Council, which previously would have rubber stamped anything coming from the mayor's office, splits off into two factions and a majority of 29 out of 50 aldermen decide that they're going to be a permanent uh, rebellion. And that initiates what came known immediately in Chicago as the Council Wars. It's it's. It's amazing. And it, you know, what always amazes me about stories like this and, and when you see them in films like yours, Punch Nine for Harold Washington, is how it doesn't take a whole lot to pull back the, the veneer. Under the right circumstances, the politics in this country reveal themselves in ways that are, on one hand, appalling and despicable, and on the other hand, 
um, an education, a full frontal education on just how just below the surface so many of these issues that Harold had to face are just shocking. I mean, but it is, it's there, right? I mean, Punchline for Harold Washington is a story that is steeped in Chicago and it is set in Chicago, but it's by no means limited to Chicago. It's a parable of how race and politics work in this country. And the reason why this, the battles in Chicago in the 80s were so ugly was because the stakes were so high. There was this minority, shrinking white minority, that was desperate to hold on to power. And as it happened, they were also quite corrupt. So uh, that's why the stakes were so high in Harold Washington's campaign. And his victories are that much more inspiring because of that. I think that his political tactics and his coalition building are really a playbook for how to move forward. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to thank you so much uh, for Punch Nine for Harold Washington. It is a sprawling, inclusive look at the life and the of Harold Washington during this particular time when he was running for mayor and as mayor and the legacy that he has continues to provide for politicians, not only from Chicago, but in other parts of the country as well. And it's a true testament to him as a person and also also the kind of person he was putting aside the politics. Well, how would you describe him sort of personally? I tried to describe him earlier, but what kind of a sort of person did you find him to be? In Harold Washington as a personality is a truly remarkable figure and a little bit mysterious in some ways. I mean, he grew up as a veteran of World War II. He witnessed racism in that the black soldiers had to sit in the back of the train cars while the German prisoners of war got to sit in the front. And he was involved in civil rights activism from a young age, even as a college student. And he was always, uh, you, you know, he, came, he had a very strong family background and he had a very strong education at a, a, a particularly uh, liberal and inclusive college, now university in Chicago. So that he, he, was, he was a student of human nature and of politics very early and just sort of carefully wound his way through the system with a kind of dedication that you don't often see. And he remained single for most of his life. He was married briefly as a young man and it didn't really work out. And then when he was in his 60s and running for mayor, you know, he had a fiance, but he never married, which left him open to all sorts of rumors that he was gay, which in the 80s was quite toxic yeah. in politics. He was just, he was about, he was on a crusade. You know, Harold worked seven days a week, 12, 15 hours a day. And uh, he just did things that that almost nobody else was willing to do. He had this kind of amazing single-mindedness about his purpose that's truly inspiring. And he wasn't afraid to confront things that a lot of other politicians would have shied away from. He was he was willing to go into parts of the city that were obviously hostile and also willing to try his best to reach across the aisle, even when he was a Democrat who was in the opposition. to. But it was just the interesting thing. And as you said, this story has been playing out in our country now for quite some time in varying degrees of success. And Harold, I think, in many ways was the most successful because I think he was fearless about what he did. Absolutely. Harold never backed down from a fight. And that is truly inspiring. I mean, liberals so often are looking for any excuse to compromise or back away. And he never did that. When he took office as mayor and the city council split and became in opposition to him and wouldn't pass any of his laws, this he, he continued this standoff for three years. I mean, he never backed down. He never even considered it. People around right. him were scratching their heads about 
how someone could hold out for that long. You know, why not just cut a deal? Why not just have a stake with the Eddies, with your opposition, and, right. and figure something out, an, an accommodation? He never, never did that. It's, it's a wonderful film. Again, Punchdown for Harold Washington. Just had a run at Doc NYC. How can we see this moving forward? What are what's the uh, the rollout for for this for your film? We have exciting plans for it next year once we find a distribution partner. Excellent. Well, be looking for this. It's exceptionally well done. The people you have in the film to talk about them, the experience, the real time experiences of Harold Washington, which we see in this archive footage, is just fantastic. And uh, my congratulations to you, Joe Winston, for your work here on Punch Nine for Harold Washington. Thank you. Mike, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Film School Radio.